Mother's Day, y'all. Yeah, glad you're here. Uh, we are in the middle of a, a sermon series evidenced by the cover of your bulletin uh, called Selfie Mode. We've been looking at the seven I Am statements of Jesus in the Gospel of John. We'll pick up in that series next Sunday. Uh, last week's assignment was to take a selfie of you and one of your favorite mothers. Uh, just need to say, I showed you what a selfie was last week. We're still getting pictures and not selfies, okay? So uh, let's, yeah, there you go. Uh, so again, only selfies send in, not pictures. Selfies where you take a picture and uh, get some people. Are, are we rolling through? Yeah, we're rolling through right now. Uh, we've got lots of fun uh, entrants this week. Yep, there's uh, Kelsey Covio and her mom, Ashley. Yep, good stuff. I got my notes here. Uh, that is Jen and her sunglass crew. Yep, there's Mama Dorothy. This is all good stuff. Yep, there is uh, Mandy and her mother, Lori. Got my notes here. That is, uh, uh, let's go. Uh, yeah, I can't, I can't find my notes quick enough. Kara Stark Bailing. Now this is a sneaky one, followed by a real sneaky one. That's a sleeping mom, and there's another sleeping mom. We need to be uh, praying for uh, Mama Strifle in the Strifle family. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Uh, Mariah and her mom Mary. There we go. There is. Uh, that's Gil and Mama Billy. That's what he told me. <laughs> Sorry, Avery and his mom, Beth. Yeah, there is uh, Karen and her mother, who's with Jesus right now. Karen, uh, there's three generations. Mrs. Thomason, Gladys, and her daughter and granddaughter. That's fun. There you go, Grant. Yeah, Grant and Mama Stacy. Yeah, it's all good. Julie and her mother, Barb. There's the Bridenstine crew, Mama Sue. Uh, there's uh, Ken Pritchett and wife, mother, Melissa. That is the Tonzer gang and uh, all the men with Mother Tracy. There is, uh, let's see, Teresa Robinson. You're a winner. That's good. Oh, boy. <laughs> there's the Ralphs. And the fairs, and when they get together, it's interesting. Yeah, you guys are winners. Yeah, yeah. There's uh, Dora and her children. Yeah. And, I, and there we go. Uh, there you go. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, it worked out. If you sent in a, uh, a selfie, or a picture of you and your favorite mom, you're a winner. So everybody's, I wasn't sure if we were going to have enough, wasn't sure how many were coming, but uh, I'm happy to report that everybody, only one per uh, photo that you sent in, you can come down afterwards and pick your favorite. Those flowers are just for those who sent in their selfie pictures this week. Uh, that's good stuff. Next Sunday... Uh, the selfie challenge continues. We got uh, words for that, Ray? 
and it's going to be you in front of a door or a gate. How's that sound? Okay. The challenge is selfie of you in front of a door or a gate. Be creative. Be original. Find some unique doors or gates. Uh, Utz pretzels are back in the mix for prizes next Sunday. So you're going to want to jump in the middle of this. Send your selfie to Pastor Jeff Ellis at yahoo.com or llj.walloon at gmail. I had that all written down because I knew I wouldn't remember. Um, we have a uh, gift for each of you mothers here today. As you leave, uh, we'll have uh, flowers for you, courtesy of Seagrass Greenhouse, the finest greenhouse west of the Mississippi. We can say that with confidence. So thank you to Dave and Eva and your generosity. But we want to just take a few moments and uh, turn our attention to the mothers who are here today. This week I've been uh, thinking about all the different mothers in the Bible. I want to mention five of them. There's Job's wife. She was a mom. And in Job 1.18, instantly a tornado, a cyclone hits the house and all of her children are killed instantly. Then there's, uh, in 1 Kings 17, Elijah encounters an unnamed widow, and she uh, is living in the village of Zarephath, and she makes her last loaf of bread. And she says, okay, I'm just going to make this last final meal, and then we're going to die, because we're out of food. Things are bleak. Genesis chapter 4 very first mother on planet earth, her name was? Eve. Yes. Had uh, her eldest son uh, was murdered. Uh, things were so bleak out of jealousy, her two boys. Uh, one is a murderer and one is murdered. It's bad. First Samuel chapter 1, a wife named Hannah cries out to the Lord because she's unable to have a child. And she cries out, and in 1 Samuel 1, verse 28, she is blessing the Lord, and she takes her child to the high priest and gives him up for a life of service unto the Lord. Fifth mother I'll mention is the one found in John chapter 19. Jesus, near his death, looks down at his own mother and says this, Dear woman, here is your son. And to John, he says, Here is your mother. So someone can look after his aging mother. Here's the point. What I've realized is uh, even in scripture to be called a mother, while it's noble and a great calling, I believe the highest calling there is, it's often filled with trouble and difficulty and pain and tears. It's not always fun and happy times. Mothers here at Walloon, we want to thank you. We want to thank you for all your love, for your patience, for your grace. Thank you even for the times where you got to lay the law down. We appreciate that as well. So uh, we would like to honor you at this point. So if you're a mother today, would you please stand? We want to appreciate and thank and honor each and every one of you. Balcony, anybody stand please. Okay, no, you gotta keep standing. 
Um, but I realized moms on Mother's Day like to have people around them. Did you know that? I'm just now figuring that out. He can be taught. Anyway, uh, why don't you stand near a mom near you and just put your hand on her shoulder and let her know you're with her and she's not alone. And make sure nobody's standing alone in the balcony, okay? Yep, come on and uh, let them know you're there with them. And we're going to pray over them right now, okay? Here we go. Let's uh, pray a prayer of blessing and thank the Lord for them. Lord, thank you for each and every one of these mothers that stands before you, that stands in your church here today. And they could be a lot of places today, but they chose to be here worshiping in your church, Lord. So thank you for the calling that you gave each and every one of them, not just to give birth, not just to adopt, not just to parent, but to nurture and raise and sacrifice for these sons and the daughters that you've given to each of them. So we want to say thank you. I pray for each situation and each circumstance in each of the mothers represented right here, Lord. There's much to praise and thank and adore you, Lord, for working so diligently through each of these. Thank you for these mothers. Thank you for the sacrifice. Thank you, Lord, for the love. Thank you for all the things they do that nobody even notices. Because, Lord, we know none of those things escaped your attention. Lord, for those situations right now where mothers are struggling and hurting, I'm asking for comfort compassion, strength, Lord, rain down on the mothers and their children and their grandchildren and their spouses. Lord, I, I ask for wisdom. I ask for direction. Lord, where situations seem overwhelming and impossible, Lord, I, I pray that you might enter in. I pray for patience and kindness. Lord, we just keep waiting on you. You're an awesome God. And in due time, would you please lift them up? Thank you again. For each of these mothers, I ask for your blessing, for your applause, for your congratulations on each and every one of them. And we pray all these things in the strong name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Okay, a couple things that uh, need to tell you. Uh, as you exit... Every one of you mothers, we've got flowers there for you, so please help yourself, and uh, thank you again for coming. We also have photo booths out in the foyer, and we've arranged, we have professional photographers, uh, and uh, that's true, and they'll take your picture in front of those photo booths, and here's the deal, you ready? Come back next Sunday, and we'll have printed that photo for you, and we'll have a four by six photo of all those for your moms and your family, free of charge. Uh, understand this isn't the time to get the family pictures taken like eight, you understand? Because we got people waiting. So th this, is, this is a one shot, free of charge, it'll be good, and come back again next Sunday. And if that isn't enough reason to come back next Sunday, Artist extraordinaire, Matthew Bowman, is going to come talk. And I'm telling you, every time I go away and I come back, guess who they talk? Y'all talk to me about more than anybody. Matthew Bowman. And he'll be doing, uh, using his gifts and talents, chalk talking 
to uh, talk about the I Am series. And that, again, is next Sunday. This morning, we're going to look at one of the most unlikely mothers to show up in the pages of God's Word, the Bible. So would you locate with me on your phone or in your Bible the sixth book of the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, what's the sixth? Joshua. So go to Joshua chapter 2, and that's where we're going to begin this morning. Moses is gone. Moses has already been uh, transported to Jehovah God, and the new leader is the guy this book is named after. The new leader is Joshua, right? Forty years earlier, Moses sent 12 of his men go into the promised land, and I want you to spy it out. Go, go get us a report. Tell us what's going on. And when they come back, it's not a good report. Ten of them are overwhelmed, scared, discouraged. It's, 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 they're gonna, we're going to get crushed. And they didn't trust the Lord who led them out of slavery in Egypt. They didn't trust the Lord who led them through the Red Sea. They didn't trust the Lord whose presence was with them the entire time. Cloud by day, fire at night, providing food, providing water. They, they said, we can't trust that. We're going to get crushed. So for 40 years, they wander, and then a new generation is about to enter the land of promise. And now that's what we're going to look at here. Joshua sends instead of 12, this time he sends two spies in. And two spies are going to go into and scope out this fortified city of Jericho. If you're able, would you please stand with me? We're going to read out loud a passage that's going to lead us to, I think, one of the most unlikely mothers in all of the Bible. We'll start with verse 1. Here we go. Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim. Go look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. The king of Jericho was told, Look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab. Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house, because they've come to spy out the whole land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. She said, Yes. The men came to me, but I did not know where they had come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, they left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly. You may catch up with them. But she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flax she laid out on the roof. So the men set out in pursuit of the spies on the road that leads to the fords of the Jordan. And as soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gate was shut. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. And I'm asking, Lord, that uh, you would open our eyes and our hearts to the truth and the power that's found in your instruction manual for our lives. Help us to see clearly right now, Lord, what you have in mind for us to learn from this most unlikely mother named Rahab. Lord, we invite your Holy Spirit to be welcome today in your church. Lord, speak loudly and clearly in all the church family 
at Walloon Lake said with one unified voice, Amen. You can be seated. So let me say real clear right now as we begin, Rahab was not the manager of the Jericho Best Western. Okay? Um, some would like that to be the case, and it's tempting to try to find a way around admitting that Rahab was a harlot. She was indeed a person who sold her body for money. If you turn to Hebrews 11.3, James 2.25, you can look it up later, but both refer to Rahab as Rahab the prostitute. So even in the New Testament, it's clear the Greek word for prostitute cannot mean owner of a bread and breakfast, okay? If that's not what it's about. Please understand that point. Second interesting thing, I think, verse 4, is uh, when Rahab lies to the king of Jericho's messengers. And some have found in verse 4 justification for lying today. Well, if Rahab did it, then I'm pretty sure I can get away with not telling the truth because it's in the Bible, right? So therefore, if she's not telling the truth, it'd be okay if I don't tell the truth. Okay? So I want to give you a little deep truth right now. You ready? Can you handle it? You might want to write this down. This is why you got here today. You ready? Here we go. Sinners sin. Okay? That's what I'm saying. She, she was a sinner. At this point, Rahab was an idolatrous prostitute far from Jehovah God. So sinners sin, plan on it, and let's not use uh, sinners sinning who are far from God as a justification to not tell the truth. That's not the intent of this passage. Verse Eight, let's continue on. Before the, spies, before the spies lay down for night, she went up on the roof and she said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. Verse 10, we've heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you, when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to Sihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, when you completely destroyed them. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear. Everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God in heaven above and on the earth below. Just want you to note, she's got some faith uh, mostly in what she's heard. She's heard about this God of the spies, and she's saying, you know what? We're afraid. We're, we're scared spitless of your God here in Jericho. We heard about all that he's done for you. Got you out of Egypt, uh, led you through the, the dry Red Sea, completely obliterated Sihon and Og, those uh, powerful kings. Uh, verse 11, your God, capital G, the God in heaven, that's someone that we're afraid of. Verse 12, now then please swear to me by the Lord that you'll show kindness. Look who she's uh, thinking about, my family. Because I've shown kindness to you, give me a sure sign 
that shall spare the lives of my father, my mother, my brothers, my sisters, and all who belong to them, and that shall save us from death. Here's what the spies say. Our lives for yours. I'm going to assure you. If you don't tell what we're doing, don't, don't, don't go tell everybody. We'll treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us the land. So she let them down by a rope through the window, for the house she lived in was part of the city wall. She gave it to them, go to the hills, so the pursuers will not find you. Hide yourselves for three days till they come back, then you'll be on your way. Again, note, unselfish. She, she's not just looking to save her own skin. I want you to spare the lives of my mom and dad. I want you to spare the lives of my brothers and sisters. She, she's looking out for others here. Just keep your mouth shut. Follow our directions. You and your family will be saved. Uh, let's move on, verse 17. Now the men said to her, this oath you made, swear to us, it'll be binding on us. Unless we enter the land, you've tied this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And unless you have brought your father and mother and your brothers and all your family into your house, everybody's got to come inside. If any of them go outside your house into the street, their blood will be on their own heads. We're not going to be responsible. They have to be in the house. The hand is laid on them. But if you tell them what we're doing, we'll be released from the oath. If you, if you go and, and squeal on us, then everything's off. Agreed, she said. Let it be as you say. So she sent them away. They departed. She tied the scarlet cord in the window right away. When they left, they went into the hills, stayed three days till the pursuers had searched all along the road, returned without finding them. Then the two men started back. Went down to the hills, forded the river, came to Joshua, son of Nun, told them everything that had happened to them. Love it. Rahab's life depended on following instructions. Okay? If you don't follow the instructions, if you don't put out the scarlet cord, if you don't hang it out in the window, then everyone in your house won't live. But anybody who's in your house will live but you have to follow the instructions. Immediately, I like this, verse 21, immediately she obeys. She ties the scarlet cord, throws it out the window. And don't we say this to our kids all the time? Obey right away. I, that was one of our little models. Obey right away. And, and then I added, delayed obedience is disobedience. Right? Uh, obey right away. Delayed obedience is disobedience. And that scarlet cord, Isaiah 1 verse 18 says this. Though our sins are like scarlet, they'll be white as snow. Isn't that good? And uh, I, I think that cord is pointing to the shed blood of the Savior, the Messiah, that they were all looking forward to, the Jesus the Christ, and we're going to see in a few minutes that Rahab and Jesus have some ties. Uh, verse 24, here's what the spies say. They said to Joshua, the Lord has surely given the whole land into our hands. All the people are melting in fear because of us. I love that. The people are scared. 
They know that our God is the God of the universe. They're, they're frightened. They know that we have an awesome God. Want to see the rest of the story? Okay, turn with me on your phone or, or in your... Joshua chapter 6, just over to the right, a couple pages. Joshua chapter 6. I'll, uh, last line of verse 16. Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. The city and all that's in it are to be devoted to the Lord. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in her house shall be spared, because she hid the spies we sent. But keep away from the devoted things so you'll not bring any destruction by taking any. Don't take any of the stuff. Trumpet sounded, verse 20. Sound of the trumpet. The walls come tumbling down. Just as God had promised. He's going to give them the city. But I want you to see something here. The courage and the faith of a woman who is willing to risk her life is honored. Because we know the king of Jericho, had he discovered that she was a spy, she would have been dead meat. She would have been executed for treason. But she's willing to trust and act with boldness to save the lives of the two Jewish spies. She saves her own life. She saves the life of her parents and her brothers and her sisters. She risked everything. Here's my question. You ready? Is there somebody in your family right now? Is there somebody that you love who's a part of you who needs you to take some bold action to save them from great harm? That's exactly what Rahab does here. And I, and I think it's here for our instruction as an example. Sometimes we're called to take strong, bold action and you're thinking... Yeah, but what, what will everybody think? If, if I step in, if, if I take some decisive, strong action, what will the rest of the family say? What will happen to our reputations? Uh, what if they really don't want me to save them? Here's the question. You ready? Is the Lord asking you to take bold action? Is the Lord asking you to protect and perhaps save family members who you say you love? Nice story, Pastor Jeff. <laughs> I'm glad you uh, picked that one. That's good. Uh, everybody got saved. Uh, the nation of Israel got the promised land, or at least the first big piece. Um, that's good. How does that relate to anything? Turn with me once again. Let's go to the uh, New Testament. Go to the Gospel of Matthew. This is how the New Testament begins. I want you to find verse Five with me. Matthew 1, verse 5. Remember that scarlet cord? It reappears here in Matthew chapter 1, verse 5. Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was, who does it say? Okay. Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David. Salmon, uh, 
His uh, first name was Coho. Uh, that should be a Father's Day message, sorry. Uh, he became, Salmon became the husband of who? Catch it. Verse 5. Who's, who's the husband of Salmon? The, the wife, excuse me, I'm sorry, I didn't ask that. Who's the wife? Rahab. So Salmon marries Rahab, and here's the fun fact to chew on. Um, Salmon was one of the two spies that was sent into Jericho. So Salmon owed his life to Rahab for protecting him and hid him. And later after the walls came tumbling down, here's what we know. Somewhere, sometime, there was a love connection between Salmon and Rahab, and they become husband and wife. Now, Salmon and Rahab have a child, a boy named Boaz, and he shows up in the book of Ruth. And in the book of Ruth, Boaz marries this foreigner, and her name is Ruth. So, Boaz is the child of Rahab, and now he marries Ruth, and Boaz and Ruth have a son, and his name is Jesse. Look at verse 5. I'm not making this up. And it says, verse 6, and Jesse was the father of King David. Pause. Which means that King David, Israel's greatest king, was the great grandson of a prostitute. An idolatrous, pagan prostitute. Let that, let that settle in just for a minute. So, or, or you can look at it the other way. She went from what she was in Jericho. She's now the head of the class. Suddenly now Rahab is the valedictorian of all great grandmas. Do you understand? And, and you go, whoa, that's pretty cool. So uh, Rahab gets exalted here in Matthew chapter 1, but we're not done yet. Slide down to verse 16 and uh, Lots of other names listed here, but you get to verse 16, and it says, And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, and Mary was the mother of Jesus, who's called the Messiah. So that tells us that Rahab, the former prostitute, is in the bloodline, the scarlet cord that runs from Abraham all the way to Jesus Christ, our Lord. Did, did you catch that? She's a part of that genealogy. That, that's intentional. They wanted to include Rahab as a part of the bloodline, the genealogy of Jesus Christ. So here's the question. Why in the world, why in heaven's plan, would God use someone like Rahab Lord, Lord, why would you stick her name in there? You know, even if it was true, you don't need to advertise it. Just skip a generation. Why would God use someone like Rahab to be in the lineage of Jesus Christ? And here's the answer. Luke chapter 19 and verse 10. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save who? The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. 1 Timothy 1 verse 15. Here's a trustworthy saying. It deserves full acceptance. 
Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. The reason that Jesus Christ left the glory and the splendor of heaven and took on a human body, lived a sinless life, willingly took our place on the cross, shed his blood, took our place in the grave early Sunday morning. Why did he do all that? To seek and to save sinners like us. Jesus specializes in seeking and saving and using sinners. Ordinary, sinful, unclean men and women. Why? To get his plans accomplished. He uses sinners. Always has. Always will. Had you known me 40 years ago, (laughs) you would have said 40 years ago, I can say with confidence, if there's one person who will not, could not, never will be a preacher, a pastor, it would be this guy named uh, Ellis. There's no way that person could be a pastor. That foul-mouthed, selfish sinner, that's, I can say with confidence, he, Jeff Ellis, will never be a pastor. That's what you would have said 40 years ago if you knew me. And those who didn't know me tell me that quite regularly. What happened? Here's what you need to know. God's grace is greater than our sins. God's grace is greater than our sins. Now, I recognize probably not a lot of prostitutes here in church today, although it's possible, former. But don't believe the lie. Give me your eyes. Here's the lie. I'm too sinful. I'm too messed up for Jesus to love. I'm too, I'm too bruised and scarred and wounded for Jesus to use me. That's a lie. Exhibit A, Rahab. And the Lord used her in his bloodline to just say, you know what? Jesus uses sinners. It's his plan. I want to close with three key steps. Maybe you're here. And uh, I just want to challenge you. These are three key steps to follow Jesus. You ready? First step. Here we go. You need to admit you're a sinner. First step to following Jesus. You have to admit you're a sinner. um, And this is especially hard for people who are good and nice and moral and religious. So I'm probably talking to some people today. The hardest people to admit that we're sinners are people who are pretty good. You're nice. You're moral. You're even perhaps religious. It's hard for good, nice, moral, religious people to admit I'm a sinner and I'm in need of Jesus Christ in my life. Because I'm pretty good. I'm pretty nice. They can even say I'm even nicer and gooder than some of the people who are calling themselves Christians. Favorite saying, I'll put it up here again, you're going to get sick of it. But here's my hope. My hope is you get this saying enough pretty soon, you're going to have it down, you're going to have it memorized, and you'll understand. Uh, Ravi Zacharias said this, Jesus didn't come to the world to make bad people good. Jesus came into the world to make dead people alive. That's all the difference in the world. Because the goal wasn't to make everybody good, The goal for Jesus coming into the world was to make all of us 
who are dead spiritually alive in Jesus Christ. Even the nicest, even the goodest. All of us are dead sinners who fall short of God's standard. Second step, follow Jesus. Run to the only solution. There's only one solution to our dead sin problem. John 14, 6. Here's what Jesus says. Here's the answer. I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. No one comes to the Father, Jesus declares, except through me. Some of you might be thinking, that sounds kind of narrow, Pastor Jeff. That sounds a little exclusive. You know, that's not very politically correct these days. Track with me. Let's say we all uh, get on a bus. Well, we might need several buses. But, okay, we take uh, 810 buses. We're going to go 45 miles north, uh, up 131, then hop on 75 for a bit. They got this bridge up there. You familiar with the bridge up there? It uh, goes from... Max City to St. Ignace, and then you're in the UP, and you say, you know what, we're in this buses, and we certainly don't want to go south all the way around through Chicago, through Wisconsin, all the way through the UP to get to St. Ignace. We want to get, we want the shortcut, we want to get straight to St. Ignace, okay? But you protest. <laughs> I don't feel that that should be the only bridge. I, I feel like there should be other bridges. I, I feel like there should be less of a toll, or I feel there should be a bridge that's less scary to cross, right? So we're sitting there waiting, but, but, but I feel like there should be another way. And the answer is, I'm sorry, but the bridge facts don't care about your feelings. They don't. The facts are the facts. You want to get, go from Max City to St. Ignace, there's one way. There's one bridge. That's the fact. And I'm here to tell you that's exactly what Jesus is declaring. You want eternal life? You want heaven with the Father? There's only one way. Jesus Christ declares to us His authority. It's through me. It's through what I did on the cross. Shed blood. Took your place in the tomb. Arose from the dead early on Sunday morning. Third step, you want to follow Jesus? And then you got to do the U-turn. You understand what, what I mean by U-turn? Uh, you're going one direction, and you're heading this way, and now today you stop, and you're being challenged. What are we challenging you to do? Go the other direction and run to Jesus. You've been calling your own shots, been making your own rules, kind of doing it however you want to do, and I'm saying, run to Jesus, yield and surrender to Jesus, and uh, allow him to be the king and the boss and the Lord. Because right now, if you're going this direction, how's that working out for you? You understand? How, how's that going? And for most folks, you're heading in the wrong direction. You say, it's pretty hopeless, it's pretty helpless, it's pretty sad, it, it's, it's really, I'm stuck and I would say, well, turn and go and run towards Jesus. Today, Mother's Day 2019, Jesus, I say yes to you. Have you taken those three steps? Give me your eyes. Don't check out yet. Have you, have you taken those steps? Your mama, your grandma, 
uh, your father, your brother, your, nobody can take those steps for you. Those are steps only you can take for you. And I have to take for me. Have you taken those steps? Mother's Day Challenge, 2019. Have you crossed the bridge? Have you said yes to Jesus Christ? Let's pray as we close. Thank you, Lord, for your amazing, awesome grace. <laughs> Has life-changing power to save sinners like me. Sinners who deserve justice and judgment, and instead you give us grace. I pray for those who are here today who perhaps have believed the lie that they're too far gone, too sinful, hopeless, and stuck in their sins. Lord, would you break the chain of that lie? Or perhaps there's some here today who believe the other lie that they're good and nice and moral and religious and being good is enough. Just work hard and earn salvation. Lord, would you break the chains of that lie too? Might they realize it's by grace that we're saved through faith. Never by works. Salvation can't be earned. It's only available through Jesus Christ. Lord, would you open eyes and soften hearts, penetrate the walls that we tend to build up, Lord. Would you draw any who are here today who need your salvation, the salvation found only in your son, Jesus Christ, would you draw them to yourself? As we close, I need to ask, is the Lord speaking to you right now? You need to take those steps. I need the salvation found only in Jesus Christ. Anybody say, Pastor Jeff, would you pray for me? I need to take those steps. I need to do that even today. Just lift up your hand. I'm not going to call you out. I won't embarrass you, I promise. I just want to pray for you. Anybody? Anybody in the balcony? Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the example of a mother named Rahab. Thank you for allowing us to celebrate mothers here today. Again, I pray for your blessing upon each mother, each grandmother that's here with us today. Thank you for them. We ask this all in Jesus' name.